0: to the Guelph Politicast, I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Sarah Bowers-Peter, the Program Coordinator for Crime Stoppers Guelph & Wellington. If you're like me, you may remember Crime Stoppers as an artifact from the 80s, one-minute-long segments on the news that recreated an area of crime that had perhaps left police investigators stymied. Crime Stoppers offered itself as a kind of investigative middleman. If you didn't want to go to the police yourself for whatever reason, you could leave an anonymous tip with Crime Stoppers and then they would pass it along. In a growing city, struggling with property crimes especially, and at a time when the role of policing as a social good is under remarkable scrutiny, where does that leave our local Crime Stoppers, which is admittedly pretty successful at what they do and they have the awards and statistics to prove it? Crime stopping is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. It shouldn't come as a surprise that Crime Stoppers was born in the 1970s, an era often remarked as a time of malaise and economic stagnation, which led in part to higher crime rates in big cities around North America. You'll hear more about Crime Stoppers' origin story in a second, but the point is that the idea itself was radical in a couple of ways. It was a group that was connected to the police, but not the police. They would offer awards for information about crimes in the area, but they could also offer anonymity. For the people leaving the tips if you were worried about becoming a target for retaliation by sharing information you were privy to you could call crime stoppers and leave your information without leaving your name another unique feature of the program was those recreations bringing the crime to vivid life and perhaps in the process jogging the memory of potential witnesses
1: detective bill stevens police coordinator of crime stoppers in windsor this week, Crime Stoppers is looking for your help in solving a rash of break-ins which have occurred in the township of Sandwich West. Between January and May of 1985, the Sandwich West Township Police Department investigated almost
0: 50 residential break-ins. Their investigation has revealed that most of these break-ins took place during daylight hours, specifically between 11 a.m. and
1: 7 p.m.
0: Here in Guelph and Wellington County, our Crime Stoppers branch was incorporated in 1988, and in the last 35 years, it has collected over 23,000 tips, which has led to 1,600 arrests for over 4,500 charges. Over 2,300 cases have been cleared thanks to Crime Stoppers, who, in turn, paid out nearly $184,000 in reward money, nearly 5,000 of which was paid out in 2022 alone. It's worth noting that the money for rewards does not come out of the police budget. Crime Stoppers fundraises on its own to cover the cost of rewards and to create the materials to raise awareness about those unsolved crimes, and in recent years, to also help make people more knowledgeable about crimes before they happen, crimes like fraud and human trafficking. One of the two people charged with managing Crime Stoppers on a daily basis is Sarah Bowers-Peter, who is this week going to tell us how she does it. So, Sarah Bowers Peter joins us on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast to talk about how she got involved with Crime Stoppers, how the organization has changed over the years, and what Crime Stoppers can do that the police cannot. We will also talk about how Crime Stoppers works with groups beyond the police, how they've been affected by the changing media landscape, and the unique success of the Guelph Wellington office in using the media. And finally, we will talk about the current needs of Crime Stoppers in terms of volunteers and fundraising, Crime Stoppers' expansion into other types of programming, and how the staff manage their own mental health and well-being while helping the community solve crime. So I caught up with Sarah Bowers-Peter last week via Zoom. Okay, so Sarah Bowers-Peter, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Let's start with uh, maybe the simple question because I think you know people like me uh up, growing up in the 80s are probably aware of crime stoppers. Uh, probably remember seeing the ads on TV. Um but for just so we're all, all on the same page, I guess can you just talk about what is crime stoppers? Uh how does it work? Um what how what do you what what do you do and how do you do it, I guess? <laughs>
1: Awesome. Well, you're absolutely right. Crime Stoppers actually came into Canada in the mid to late 80s. Uh, crime Stoppers Guelph-Wellington was created in 1988. So we're celebrating mm. our 35th anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there was a lot Crime Stoppers. And uh, you probably remember then the reenactments, the crime reenactments. That used I do. To take place. Yeah, I do. And that all ties back to how the program actually started, which was back in 1976 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And at that time, um, there was a, a homicide. It was a robbery that evolved into a homicide at a gas station in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And at that time, Albuquerque had like the sixth highest crime rate per capita in the U.S. It was it was a, a, a troubling time and a troubling area. There was no support for the police service in resolving this crime, which was the death of a 20-year-old male. He was he actually wasn't even supposed to be working. Uh, That night at the convenience store, he had switched shifts with a friend who needed the night off. Something Mm -hmm. we can all relate to, right?
0: Right, right.
1: And uh, he was approached by two males who came into the convenience store, demanded cash from the till, which he provided, and they shot him at point blank range. Um, He died shortly thereafter. And the lead investigator, Detective Greg McAleese, who, fun fact is actually Canadian, was born and picked in Picton, Ontario, but was working in Albuquerque at the time, he made a pledge to the victim's family, um, the victim being a Michael Carmen, a young man uh, of 20 years old. And he told his family, he says, we're going to solve this crime. And if you, if you uh, interact with police at all, uh, that's not a promise that is often made or offered uh, because so many things can happen during an investigation that can prevent an outcome, certainly Mm -hmm. with a homicide, right? So with that in mind, um, he started getting creative and he came up with this concept of offering anonymity because um, having that fear of repercussion was a valid fear. Uh, You certainly didn't want to look like you were helping the cops for some people in the population and uh, offering the cash reward. Was key. So what he he did was he created an anonymous uh, tip line. He offered a cash reward from his own pocket of three hundred dollars. Which w- when I do my student presentations, it's it's interesting because I'll say, and I'll offer a cash award of three hundred dollars, and you can see the kids like their eyes roll back in their head. Like three hundred dollars, you can barely get a decent gaming console. That's for three hundred dollars, right? right? <laughs> and then when I explain to them, well, three hundred dollars in nineteen seventy six is like a thousand dollars today. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of gives them a, a bit of pause around that that type of gesture and what that meant at the time. So he sets up the anonymity, he sets up the reward, he contacts media and says, hey, I want to do a reenactment. I want to set up what we think happened. And I want to air it uh, during the news hour, uh, the 6pm news hour. So they did it, they shot it, They they aired it. And within hours, they were flooded with calls and not just about this case about other cases and the first case that was solved was an outstanding rape case mm. and that's when McAleese realized like whoa this is this is something and this can be used in other jurisdictions it can be used in other communities it can be used in other cases and that's the nugget of it is the anonymity the partnership with the public the media and the police and that promise of anonymity here in canada is supported by case law like we have case right. law that says you know from the supreme court of canada that says if you're a tipster to crime stoppers you do not have to identify yourself
0: Hmm. this is kind of like a legal question that you may not be qualified to answer but um i mean i know in the united states uh you know you, there's a, a guaranteed constitutional right to uh, to face your accuser um, I'm not sure what the Canadian equivalent is, but I mean, just is is that ever a, a legal barrier that uh, the tip is is anonymous?
1: No, what it falls under it falls under informer privilege in Canada, and okay. and there is because there is that um, category, for lack of a better word, that we can we can file it under. Uh, that's what t- Crime Stoppers uh, ties into as well is informer privilege, and that was key in 1997. That's what we needed to have happened because there was a case Regina versus LePert that mm-hmm. uh, was being contested, okay. and uh, were it not for that case law being established, uh, I, I, it might be a different outcome. But the courts, uh, the Supreme Court of Canada, recognized that um, these individuals who come forward not only are they doing uh, something that's a great public service to help keep their community safe um but they're also doing for some of them they're doing it at a great personal risk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: people have fear of retaliation and things and
1: absolutely yeah the yes.
0: suspect could be someone they know as well and you know you don't want to be the the family narc i guess
1: well <laughs> it, it, you no know, it's true and and i know we've heard it all the snitches get stitches and yeah. you know all that stuff but the way we try to frame it is, yes, if if, if you want to say that, you can, but then you have to question what side of the fence you're on. Are you right. on the side of the fence of someone who wants community safety or are you looking at self-preservation? And exactly to your point, some of our best information comes from the ex-partner, um, the business partner or the personal life partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. Right. Um, it could be a neighbor across the road. It could be someone within the building that they live in it's it's not our place to uh try to determine who is giving this information and i do dozens upon dozens of presentations a year and, and a number of them i actually do with our police partners um present and they'll say we don't care who it is that's providing the information we just want to know what the information is so it's not the emphasis is not about the tipster it's about the information
0: right 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 so how does how does crime stoppers work i guess in regards to um, there is things, and I'm sure people have seen it, like crime of the week, and and it, just in gar- regards to like how the information you collect is then uh, disseminated to whether it's Guelph police or OPP. I guess just the mechanics of of how Crime Stoppers chooses the chooses the cases they highlight and how they how you share that information back to police.
1: Absolutely. So there's a couple of ways it can happen. The first is that our investigative partners and I say that because it's not just police that we work with. We also work with um investigative agencies such as Ministry of Finance, Ministry of Natural Resource and Forestry, things like that. But primarily, you're right. It's it's Guelph Police and Wellington County OPP. So they will provide us with information about outstanding cases or cases that they feel need a bit of a a bit of a lift in the community as far as awareness is concerned. So we will create what is known exactly what you said, a crime of the week. The crime of the week is, is just for this week, this is the information we're looking for on this particular uh, occurrence. And uh, we share that through our social media platforms, through our media partners. um, The idea being that someone will read or hear this information and it might trigger a memory and that they will come through anonymously and confidentially one of two ways. They can call us at 1-800-222-TIPS, which is 8477, or they can go to our website, which is csgw.tips, and they can provide a web tip. Now, to be clear, a web tip is not an email communication, mm-hmm. without getting too techie, because I know we're not doing techie here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's basically, you're putting information into a portal on our website, so it doesn't track any IP address or you know cell phone information, anything like that. Um, Once we get that information, we sanitize it. So for example, if I contact Crime Stoppers and I say, hey, I've got information about someone across the road who's cooking meth. Um, I see him from my front window every day, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so then it goes to Crime Stoppers and we take out any of that information that indicates that this is someone who lives in the vicinity of the individual. So what goes to the investigator from us is, Tips to provided information regarding potential drug manufacturing at whatever the address is um, and, and can be seen during these hours. Mm-hmm. So we don't indicate that this person lives across the road and has like a, a bird's eye view of, of the action. We don't know who provides the TIP. We don't, we don't want our investigators to have any idea or, or, or they should not have any ideas to who's providing the TIP either. Again, the the point of anonymity cannot be overstated. It's the foundation of what Crime Stoppers is built on. Is
0: mm-hmm. keeping that
1: tipster safe and anonymous.
0: Is is that like sort of like where Crime Stoppers has the advantage over the police? Because if I call the, you know, police, the police put out a media release every day and it says, you know, if it's if it's a. a ongoing investigation I'll have and have the name of the officer the detective who's kind of the lead on it and i i suppose i suppose i could either email them like if i didn't care about anonymity i could always email them directly or call them directly and say hey i'm so and so i i saw this crime and here's the information i have
1: yes uh, we, we've always said that if if you feel comfortable dealing directly with police please do so like that, mm. that we, we enjoy a, a beneficial relationship with with our police partners we also know that there are those in the community that do not um right. we also know there's people in the community that maybe don't want to have to testify in court or have a cruiser parked out front of their residence or to attend a detachment or the, you know headquarters that type of thing so there's right. a lot of reasons why people w- don't want to deal directly with police for whatever reason right. and and that's that is the important distinction is because you are unknown and we cannot determine with any level of certainty who you are you cannot be called to testify and and that I think is is the main attraction for people who use Crime Stoppers is for some, they just want to do the right thing. They just mm-hmm. want to, you know, I know what's going on in our community and I hate that it's happening. So I need to do something, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, that's a terrific option. You can contact Crime Stoppers. It's, it's an interaction that can be um, as long as you want it to be. And uh, there's no way that we can reach out and contact the tipster from our end.
0: How do you measure success at Crime Stoppers? Is it like the number of, because I'm thinking about it in a couple of ways. I mean, there's obviously, there's always going to be like some level of crime and whether that's like property crime or like even more serious offenses where somebody gets hurt or, or killed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the goal is just the same to have as, as low a crime rate as possible. I mean, is, 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 is Crime Stoppers a success when you've kind of, I guess, help damp down the crime rate?
1: (laughs) Well, that's a good question because success can be measured many ways. And Mm -hmm. I think for us here in Guelph, Wellington, our first measure of success are our stats. Mm -hmm. And because we can't talk about the specific incidents that we've assisted uh, through providing that tip information. So our stats are our our first go-to. I would say our our next level of success would be... um, uh, the fundraisers and community outreach that we enjoy in the community. We pay our tipster rewards through fundraising. Um, <laughs> a lot of a misconception around that is that it's government funded. It is not government funds that goes to tipster to rewards. Right. Um, we do a considerable amount of fundraising because we have to make sure that there's enough money in the bank to pay out Tipster rewards. And last year, um, as I referenced in our most recent uh, police services board meeting, we, oh, sorry, the board of directors, Crime Stoppers, Guelph, Wellington board of directors, approved just under five thousand dollars in uh, rewards to tipsters. So, we have to make sure we can we can fund that and make sure that we're honoring our commitment to the tipsters. Right. So that would be another level of success is the fact that we do have people contacting us. Our stats are solid for a smaller program. The fact that we've got people that come out and support our various events and activities year after year after year. We've got people that come to our shredding and mulch sales that are longtime supporters, and that's just some of the events. Um, And finally, I would say the fact that we've been recognized provincially and internationally. We've received uh, numerous awards from the Ontario Association of Crime Stoppers, as well as Crime Stoppers International, for everything from um, uh, campaigns and initiatives that we've created, through to our engagement with media, through to our productivity and the results that we're able to achieve within the community, which I think mm-hmm. the fact that we're able to have that outcome mm-hmm. is the highest level of success, is that we are making a difference and we are a reputable organization that people can feel comfortable in.
0: And the reason I wanted to talk about um, getting rid of crime because. And Maybe you can tell me if this is a sort of a more recent development is that Crime Stoppers is moving into areas of crime prevention. And what I mean is some of the programs you've been running about, you know, how to prevent fraud, um, how to identify human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I wonder if that's kind of a statement on uh, perhaps one day in the future when things are less crimey, uh, we can look at preventing crimes instead of uh, solving the crime of the week. (laughs)
1: Well, I like your perfect world scenario. I would love to say that that's the case. Um, I don't know, given human nature, that we'll ever be, using finger quotes, crime-free. Right. But I like what you're thinking. Um, To be honest, I know here in Guelph, Wellington, uh, when I came on board around 2014, I saw that there was opportunity. And what it feels like is that we have a platform. And I mean, exactly what we're doing here today and having this conversation Crime Stoppers is very much known for, you know, what we do and and more of a defensive approach to use the sports analogy. Uh, You know, we we wait for the tips to come in. And and I question that. And I feel that we have the opportunity and and would be remiss if we didn't capitalize on it by not having the conversation about how to prevent crime from happening in the first place. I mean, we're called Crime Stoppers. So let's stop crime from even happening. And to your point about human trafficking, um, I, I'm i never going to forget the day I learned about human trafficking. I didn't know it existed before 2017. And I was asked to participate uh, in a workshop that Victim Services Wellington was hosting. It was a two-day event. And it was eye-opening. It was uh, jaw-dropping. And I was so angry at the end of day one. And I hadn't even been to day two. And <laughs> it's like, we this, and we've got to do something about it. And I went back to the board of directors and I said, look, this is actually happening here. The stats tell us it's happening. The investigative partners tell us it's happening. I feel we need to make this almost like parallel messaging that, you know, when we talk about Crime Stoppers, at some point we want to reference human trafficking. Um, And that was kind of the catalyst for that type of proactive, preemptive messaging that I feel is serving us well because our police partners again do a very good job with through their media and their community outreach but there's challenges there too where you know they're trying to reach a lot of of organizations and community partners that might be interested in hearing about fraud or human trafficking awareness or whatever but the resources are focused on frontline as they should be so right. that messaging isn't as as available in an ongoing way so that's where crime stoppers just kind of stepped up and said we can do that too. It's, it's all uh, information that is sourced through um, subject matter experts, whether it's victim services, women in crisis, uh, our police partners. But we are always putting it in the larger context of, and if you're aware of this happening, mm-hmm. contact Crime Stoppers. So there's mm-hmm. always that undercurrent message. We will always mention Crime Stoppers as um, the reason why we're there and to encourage people to use the program. But I do see there's growth. And I know uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to be launching a hate crime initiative, which is incredibly timely um, and I think really needed. And and some people think it's not happening in our communities, whether it's City of Guelph or County of Wellington. And it definitely is. And that's the awareness that we want to bring to it is so people that have that we we know we have to do something about it because Crime Stoppers is telling us it's happening here.
0: But I mean, all those crimes we're talking about, even the hate crimes we're talking about, areas that you know as we've been talking about crime stoppers already hits you know if you're someone is being human trafficked you're probably not going to go to the police station if you know people who are defrauded are embarrassed um people who are in communities where hate crimes are even just discussed not necessarily committed but discussed like nobody's walking around town where they can see their swastika tattoo or 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 something like that you know it's um it's almost like these are kind of the invisible crimes not to say that they're the crimes themselves are invisible but by the time you hear about you know human trafficking they might have packed up and moved down the road or you know someone is defrauding someone with a sextortion scheme but they live in austria and Mm -hmm. and you know so it's I don't want to say you're kind of better suited to do that kind of awareness than the police, but I mean, it it is sort of it, it does pick up on some of these threads and themes that Crime Stoppers has already established for itself.
1: And, and that brings up a good point. Um, just to clarify, if you're a mm. victim of crime, yeah, um, we you can't report to Crime Stoppers because right. of the anonymity piece. So, you know, if you're a victim of crime, you must deal directly with investigators, simply because they are the investigators. So you must be known to police. Right. But to your other points, um, I think that's where we're we're trying to create awareness around the early stages, like when we talk about human trafficking, our messaging has evolved so much since 2017. In the beginning, it was more like, hey, y'all, this is happening. And I literally we did our launch at Stone Road Mall. And I had a lady come up to me and call me a pervert Mm. for having information in in a public space about sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, there's really not a lot you can say to someone who wants to take that approach. So what we're looking at (laughs) is some right, like, it it is what it is. And you're right. It's perverted, but here we are because it's happening.
0: So. I mean, alternatively uh, too, you know, you could be in a hotel somewhere and next door there's somebody being sex trafficked.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So that was, that's where the, the, the adjustment came is, okay. You don't like hearing about this and believe me, I don't like talking about this. I I did a presentation of human trafficking to 300 men at the Italian Canadian club in 2018. That was probably one of the most challenging presentations I've ever had to do. And I had one of the most remarkable responses to it. So you understand, okay, people are getting it now. Mm -hmm. And when I first went into schools, you know, in the early years, kids were like, what is she talking about? This is scary stuff. Like she's crazy old lady talking. And then it became now, like I I, I did a presentation just a couple of weeks ago in, in a school supported by upper grand district school board. And the kids are like, yeah, we know. Because Mm. they do know it's that Mm -hmm. prevalent. So we can either ignore these problems, or we can talk about it and let potential victims, hopefully we're educating enough to prevent victimization, which is the optimal situation, in my opinion, that's Mm -hmm. the the, the pinnacle of stopping crime, Mm -hmm. is to prevent anyone from being a victim of it, is to have the conversation. So you now know what grooming looks like, you now know what a scam could look like you now know, you know, what what the 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 flags are for someone who might be has the potential of committing a hate crime. That's what we're looking at now is backing it up even farther. So it's not mm-hmm. just a case of, "Oh, I don't want it to happen to me." It's like, "How do we prevent it from happening to anyone?" Like Right. Back it right up.
0: Yeah, seeing the signs. Yeah. I want to get into the challenges a bit and one of the things I was thinking about after your presentation to the Guelph Police Board was uh, how complicated it must be to communicate this stuff now. I mean, back in the day when, you know, going all the way back to Albuquerque, going to, I mean, I imagine there's a handful of radio stations and maybe a daily paper and a couple other papers in 1976 Albuquerque. Uh, In 2023, Guelph, we have a TV station in Kitchener, we have uh you know guelph today guelph mercury tribune we have me we have cfru cjoy and and magic are still around um plus you know a ton of just little outlets too and i mean facebook groups galore you know um the overheard you know in guelph facebook and you know cotton guelph and all these other various facebook groups does that make your job easier or harder that's a good one.
1: Um, my background is journalism, so I, I perhaps have a bit of a skewed perspective on this challenge because I know, like I back in the day uh, when I was a reporter, I know what the cuts look like. I know what the changes look like. I know how the shift happens within media. So perhaps that gives me a different perspective on what we are facing in our communities. I would say we we get outstanding support. From community radio, community TV, grassroots organizations—exactly you know, what we're doing here today—and I appreciate this more than you know. Uh, that opportunity to connect with people where they want to get their media from, and I think that's the big distinction now. Um, again, years ago, you 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 had your your key uh, media outlets, and really that was it. If 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 you weren't identified as being part of those key media outlets you, you know, you're writing a newsletter type thing. And now it's not that people look for their information in a lot of different places. And sometimes at the same time, you know, compare and contrast the information they're getting, which I think is good. I think it's good that people are looking uh, and and being having a critical eye or ear about what they're hearing and seeing. So from that standpoint, um, it does make it challenging as a community based organization, who frankly, does not have a budget for advertising. We don't, if, if we get funds through like right now with the hate crime and fraud uh, campaigns, those are funded through grants. So I, when I write a grant, I sit there and I like line item advertising because I can't, I have no money to advertise otherwise. We've right. had to be creative and, and you know, the pandemic really taught us a lot of lessons <laughs> that if we want to engage with people, we have to find them. And a lot of people are on social media or online or streaming. And that's where we have to go to find them. So for us, you know, we we, we ramped up social media presence and made sure that people could uh, count on us being a regular uh, part of their feed on a weekly basis. You don't mm. want to give them too much fatigue, mm. you know, seeing this all the time. Uh, but to be able to say, you know, th- this is something that is going to be present. We have an active YouTube channel. We're, we're going to be here for the long haul. Um, consider giving us some of your time when you're scrolling or swiping.
0: And, and to your point earlier, um, there has been recognition for how well uh, Crime Stoppers, Guelph Wellington has been able to, to use the media um, and, and create media, frankly, as well. You've, you have the hardware.
1: <laughs> we try. <laughs> but it, again, it goes, this was not how things were done years ago. You know, Crime Stoppers heavily relied on media partners. Uh, and, and we do just media means something different now where yeah. it can be self-generated media as, as well as the complement of media that we already have out there. We have some very long-term supportive media partners that we wouldn't be where we are now without their support. Uh, That being said, we also know there's challenges that they face too. And there could be radio or uh, streaming or, or print outlets that no longer have the space or the airtime to share that information. So what do we do? Like we got to get creative at our end too. And I, and I say that to other programs as well, who look at what we're doing and say, why are you doing that? Well, because we still have to engage. And just because, and I say that tongue in cheek, we have a global pandemic happening doesn't mean we disappear it means we got to figure it out and and reach people because crime is still happening and for a lot of programs their tips in 2020 dropped right and right. ours did not we had we we received consistent support throughout that 18 months 2 years um th- that we were considered really you know in a volatile you know lockdown not lockdown mm. era right
0: mm-hmm. i want to ask about um you-, you mentioned this at the the guelph police uh meaning again the volunteers um and and getting volunteers out and th- this is not just a crime stopper thing. this is a universal nonprofit sector thing uh the yeah. lack of volunteer time um I guess from from your point of view, I guess, what is, I don't want to say the barrier because that feels like you're purposely getting, (laughs) trying to dissuade people from helping you, but just, you know, I guess from the point of view of people trying to find the time to volunteer, I guess, what are some of the the things you're encountering, like the reasons why your people are saying, well, I'd love to, but I can't?
1: Well, first thing I would say exactly to your point, a lot of volunteer-based organizations, are experiencing either volunteer fatigue Mm -hmm. or just not enough people coming forward. And that can be, you know, we've just come out of a very volatile time where we weren't feeling comfortable going out and and doing things. So I think that I'm hoping that will course correct in the near future, but on top of that, Crime Stoppers is not, not your run of the mill volunteer organization. Mm -hmm. So, um, There's two of us that are staff. I, myself, am Wellington County OPP civilian assigned to Crime Stoppers. Uh, A colleague of mine is employed by the board, and she's the primary for tip-taking. Outside of that, it's a board of directors. With that board of directors, you have to get people that are understanding what the phrase working board means. Mm. It's not a social club. It's not a a monthly uh, catch-up. There are specific goals and objectives that are set every year. There are subcommittees. Uh, we have an executive that is tasked with certain uh, responsibilities that must be met because we're a charitable uh, organization. We fall under CRA rules and regulations. So there's a little more weight to being a Crime Stoppers volunteer. And to further that, I think people have a misconception about what the role is. We've got some mm. people that'll apply and say, I want to sign up and help take t- take the tips. Mm. That does not happen. Right, mm-hmm. board members have no access to tipsters. Um, it's done, like I said, uh, by my colleague, uh, and that, frankly, is is to also protect the board members, um, right. Because they are volunteering in their capacity. We also have people that maybe are coming with less than honorable intentions, if I can say that, okay. um, feeling that that they're uh, they maybe are into true crime or they're very interested in policing, or mm. they're looking to, you know what I mean, just get the inside scoop on information. Mm-hmm. And if that's your motivation, don't even bother applying because it's it's actually quite evident early on. We do have an application process where you're interviewed and you have to do a criminal background check, which also, frankly, can be a deterrent for some people <laughs> as to whether or not they can join the Crime Stoppers Board of Directors. <gasps> is the- is the background check. Yeah, But, (laughs) um, but you, you know, there is a process that we go through because we want to make sure we're getting people who are invested are there for the right reasons and truly want to give back to their community. Um, and And I say this, and this is not disparaging of any horticultural societies because they do wonderful things. But if you're looking for more of a social experience those you know the horticultural type you know serve you know those type of organizations those are the the that's the draw for you if that's what you're looking for mm. because we're going to have monthly meetings and at some points even more frequent meetings there's outcomes and like i said goals and objectives that must be attained and there's accountability to it and we, right. we can't overlook that
0: that's fair um i wanted to ask you about you know you you mentioned it's you and another person who are the staff um your colleague i imagine here's a lot of things on those tip lines but i mean it, you know you're out, also out there in the community talking about things like human trafficking and i know that having attended a lot of police board meetings there's a lot of talk there about the impact of the work they do on the, the well-being of of people who work at the Guelph police service what about the the mental well-being of the people who work at crime stoppers who do similar work but, um, you know, as, as you said, a little more behind the scenes as you're doing it.
1: Right. I have never been asked that before. <laughs> um, there are days, uh, certainly not to the extent that, that, you know, an active investigator would have, and I don't even pretend to put myself in the same category. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, to to the human trafficking part of it, um, and I'm feeling the same way some days when I'm I'm researching and getting information about hate crime. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I'm wired is weird, I guess, because when when I I have this feeling of of you know it's starting to weigh on me, um, I'm very fortunate to be in the role that I'm in that I I kind of turn that around and use that as energy to say, you yeah, know, this is sick or this is upsetting or this is distressing or whatever it is, and now I'm going to use this platform or this opportunity and we're going to make a difference with it, because. That's really the only way. The first couple of times I did a human trafficking presentation, I would actually get a tension headache. <laughs> it, it would stress me because it, the information was just so frustrating to me. So I kind of had to figure a way myself, like how I could process it and deal with it and say things in a way that could be impactful, but not triggering, because mm. I don't want to be responsible for that either. I'm very aware of being in a classroom or or who my audience is. And there's things that I could say to them. So they understand the full force of what a crime does to somebody. But that could just be damaging to them. And that's not what we're trying to do. I also work very closely um, with the head of the Internet Child Exploitation Unit out of Guelph Police Service, who is a remarkable investigator. And he and I have had numerous conversations. And he sees the stuff Mm. that we don't want to see. And he Mm -hmm. deals with the people that you know, we would love to see bad things happen too. Mm-hmm. And it we've had conversations around that, that it's you have to find a way to almost make that fuel for what you're doing, because otherwise it could be overwhelming. And again, I, I say that knowing I don't see and I don't hear and I'm not subjected frontline to the people that that he and his colleagues are, but it is a factor for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Talk about jobs you don't want to have. Yeah. Um yeah to to lighten the mood a bit um i want to talk about you for a sec before we run out of time just that um you mentioned a bit your background um as a a journalist you talked about how you're liaised with the the wellington opp uh, for crime stoppers um but this is a unique job that you do um you know as as we've kind of demonstrated the last 30 some odd minutes but you know so how How did you end up here? what What is it about working for crime stoppers that is appealing to you as a as a person living life in the twenty first century, I guess?
1: <laughs> well, it's that's a good one
0: too. Um yeah, so my background's
1: journalism and uh, life. Um, I had a family. Uh, it's challenging to be in media and be the type of parent I wanted to be. So that kind of shifted my gears. And I eventually ended up in um, marketing and not for profit, uh, which was able to use my writing skills and my media skills. So that was that was nice. Um, and eventually, I found myself uh, with an opportunity to join Wellington County OPP in in a role that was was nowhere near what I wanted to do. But it was it was a great opportunity to just get my foot in the door with OPP. Ironically, when I was a journalist, uh, I actually covered court and police for like 15 years. So for me, it was like, great, I I can work <laughs> with police. This is a great fit for me. Um, so getting my foot in the door uh, with, with an entry level job at OPP, I quickly learned of a shift happening within the Crime Stoppers Guelph Wellington uh, unit. And traditionally, this role is a uniform. It's, a, mm-hmm. it was a uniform member and at many programs, it's a uniform member. And um, I believe I was the first civilian hire of, um, a, you know, coming in to the Crime Stoppers role for any detachment in Ontario. Um, so it was definitely a gamble on Wellington County OPP's part <laughs> to see, well, let's stick her in there and see how she does. <laughs> um, but it was a good fit for me because I do enjoy, like I said, the, 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 the community safety the policing um i am far more used to being behind a camera mm. than i am in front of a camera mm-hmm. that was a huge learning curve for me i i for the most part have it in check but there are still moments where i'm like <laughs> uh, no not me <laughs> but uh <laughs> I I, I feel like I have that at bay. I'm much better talking about the program as you can already see than (laughs) I'm talking about myself. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's how it came to be. It was a a bit of a, a change in how OPP did things. Wellington County OPP did things, but it's certainly a template that I feel would work well for programs that are OPP supported across the province, because there is a frontline issue having enough members that, that, you know, can be out there doing, Frontline work with platoons or specialty units. So for for crime stoppers, there is no reason why it couldn't be a civilian. You don't require use of force mm. for this. There's days, but you yeah. Know. <laughs> Seriously, you know there, there is no need for use of force, and and I would advocate uh, a civilian for this rule for any crime stoppers program if if a detachment or or you know, any organization or any investigative partner was saying, you know, we don't know how to staff this. And there is, there are programs that are struggling, especially since the pandemic. Right. How Do we get enough people to to staff this role? That would be a suggestion for sure.
0: Well, you do the job well, uh, the gamble paid off and, uh, I, I'm glad we were able to talk today. So, uh, Sarah Bowders, Peter, thank you so much for your time today. And, uh, we'll, we'll keep on, uh, Stopping that crime. Thank you so much. Thank you. And once again, that was Sarah Bowers-Peter. You can learn more about Crime Stoppers at their website, Crime Stoppers Guelph Wellington, all one word, And that's where you can also find out details about the crime of the week and details about various Crime Stopper programs like Crime Stoppers 101 and Human Trafficking. To make an anonymous tip to Crime Stoppers, you can call 1-800-222-TIPS, that's one 800 8477 or you can send an email at info at csgw.tips. And that's it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, and to learn more about CFRU, go to cfru.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify, and when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, and you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at GuelphPolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out GuelphPolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week, and until then, we will see you next time.